It's the Hogan Johns Podcast. Obviously, we struggled mightily on offense and having the four three and outs. And now the end is near. You know, it's been a constant theme for us. So I face. It's been the same stuff over and over. Final curtain. Oh, no! We suck again! Week 10 in the National Football League. It's a must-win game for the Bears. Foles has an excellent pocket to work with. It is tipped, juggled, and intercepted. They must have known that, right? I mean, the offense must have gotten the memo, correct? Three, three and outs for Chicago. Chicago had minus two yards of offense in the second half. Going to be a fourth three and out for Chicago. Yeah, no, they didn't. Another L for the Bears. That's four straight weeks. You know, I'm beginning to think it may be time for a change. Here to give you the inside scoop on tonight's game, rehashing the trash. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hope. That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. You smell like a winner. Americans love a winner. It's The Adams. It's Hogan Johns. Oh, changes. Those were a couple of my favorite songs. My favorite uh, Frank Sinatra song was in there, My Way. Um, changes by David Bowie. Awesome song. And... Seem to uh, fit nicely for Matt Nagy's Chicago Bears right now. Well done, Ernie. Yeah, well done from our guy Ernie Scatton, who always brings the heat, uh, especially when Bears lose, which happens quite frequently since we've started doing this podcast back in 2015. Our producer is Kent Garrison. Welcome in, Bears fans. Uh, some of you threatened not to listen to this episode last night because you didn't want to relive the game. I got to say, I don't really blame you, but if you made it here, welcome it. We're going to try to help you through this. Well, guess what? You can't listen last night. You can listen today. That's we tr- right. We tricked you. We tricked you. Uh, Adam Hogan, Adam Johns here with you. The Bears are on a four-game losing streak. Their offense somehow gets worse and worse every single week, and I think we're at the point where big Picture questions are arriving and need to be discussed. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read our post-game reaction at um, NBCSportsChicago.com for me, TheAthletic.com, TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns. For Johnsy's coverage, Kevin Fishbane's coverage. Uh, I believe John Greenberg had a column for you guys last night. I'm sure Dan Pompey has his reaction up this morning. Lots to get to there on The Athletic. And if you're not subscribed, you're missing out because it's all there for you. So go to theAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns to, uh, quite frankly, get all your misery. Just one like do- you get it here. <laughs> get all your misery for $1 a week. Yes. yes. <laughs> Steal the deal. Johns, how... I, I, I was thinking about this morning... How did the Bears get here? You know, the last night's game was amazing for for a couple reasons. To me, the biggest thing is the defense played well. The special teams was outstanding. Other than the muff, the muff pump was huge. It really was. It was a big play. But you know, other than that one play, I guess my point is they they got two takeaways. They got a Cordell Patterson return for a touchdown. And they still didn't. Re- they couldn't win the game. How do you lose the game with Usually those things? Usually, in this Bears universe that we operate in, we have learned that that type of performance, defensively and from special teams, is enough to win. But it requires just a little bit of offense, like literally one yard in the third quarter yes. would have been would have qualified as a little bit of offense. <laughs> they yes. went. Backwards. They had negative two yards in the third quarter. Exactly. Exactly. Six points. What, 159 total yards or something like that? Like, Nick Foles had 101 yards passing against one of the worst passing defenses in the league. So in the Bears universe, yes, we should know here in Chicago that that's enough to win you a football game. But not right now. Not with Matt Nagy's Bears. Not with an offense that is flirting with 2004 bad. Remember that year, 2004 Bears? I do. I specifically remember, I think, a game that got played in 
I think it was maybe in Chicago, but it was against the Titans. Didn't Craig Krenzel start that game? Yeah. Chad Hutchinson also started that year. It's um they're flirting with that type of bad. Sorry, Bill Lazier. You were not the answer. I think that game I just referenced, the Bears managed to win because they had, the defense got it done with just a little bit of offense. They didn't have the little bit. a tiny bit of offense. Six Look, points. Six points. If you take out Tyler Bray's 18-yard completion and absolute stinky trash garbage time at the end of the game after Nick Foles got hurt, the Bears had 14 yards in the second half. 14! Not good. Not I good. honestly wonder if you spent the whole second half handing the ball off to me, could I have gotten to 14 yards? Possibly. Well, behind that offensive line, I don't know. <laughs> but, it's, I, but that's how bad it is. 14 yards in an NFL game. So getting back to my original question. When Ryan Pace was hired, when he hired Matt Nagy three years later, when he drafted Mitchell Trubisky, the focus, especially since the quarterback move was made to get Trubisky, uh, and I think, you know, J.J. Stankovitz, my colleague at NBCSportsChicago.com, can't say this that this morning for some reason. That's the website I write for, so I should probably get that right. But... JJ referenced this. When that pick was made, Ryan said he doesn't want to be average on offense anymore. And now almost four seasons later, they are not even close to below average. Yeah, I was going to say they're not average. <laughs> they're the they worst. Are. They are. I mean, yeah. uh, Robert Mays from The Athletic had a good tweet last night. He's like, there are some numbers and some advanced statistics that tell you that the Bears do not have the worst offense in the NFL. But it's hard to believe those numbers, right? I mean, how did the Bears not have the worst? 14 yards in an entire half. Well, let's take week 10, put those numbers into the system, and see what we get today because that was abysmal. That is horrendous offensive play. God-awful offensive play. There was a play... We don't need to go through every single snap Nick Foles took. But there was a play where he threw behind the line of scrimmage to Cordell or Patterson where an offensive lineman was covering Patterson. And it was just, like, unbelievable. Like, it's the run to Ryan Null after a long pass to, to Anthony Miller. Like, what the heck is going on here? It's, 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 it's just hard to it's, explain. <laughs> I mean, you've... For, for at least four years, because I'd say maybe the first couple of years under pace was more about rebuilding the defense uh, and being stuck with Jay Culler's contract. And, and they've succeeded with that, but yes, yeah. But so the, at least the last four years, I mean, the, and especially the last three since Nagy was hired, I mean, this whole point was right to fix the offense. So what does it say that they've gotten this bad? I, I, I don't know how, uh, from a just a fair, objective standpoint, we can't talk about on this that has to be the conversation and I think listening to a little bit of sports radio this morning when I was driving around this has to be the first real morning where Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy wake up and have to be slightly worried about job security Yeah, Yeah. at least slightly worried because I don't know how George McCaskey could wake up this morning and not have those same questions George McCaskey may have not have gone to bed Maybe he was that angry. Maybe we'll just throw that out there. Like, you know, it's I'm kind of making it up, but let's let's be real. Like they should be infurious, uh infurious, furious with what's going on right now with their football team. Um to me, and I got a column coming up on on the Athletic either today or tomorrow morning on this, you know, like the idea that like here, here's what's hanging over the heads of, of Ted Phillips and George McCaskey right now. What have Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy done to deserve a chance at fixing this? And fixing it means selecting or finding that next quarterback. We talked about Mitch Trubisky and that swing for Ryan Pace. The conversation changed when Matt Nagy and his staff convinced everyone to go for Nick Foles. 
the conversation changed then. He was supposed to be the answer. This was supposed to be different with Nick Foles. Mitch Trubisky, scapegoat. Benched in week three. Everything changed then. So you, you, you say, how did we get here? To me, it goes to, back to that week three. Like, the, the evaluation of this team changed when Nick Foles took over for Mitch Trubisky. And Matt Nagy, probably unbeknownst to himself, put himself on the hot seat because of it. I agree. I mean, I guess it's easy to say in hindsight, but it's not even hindsight. It's it's. I, I still go back to that moment in Atlanta where we realized Nick Foles was about to come in the game. And it was, for me, and I, we talked about this after that game on the podcast, to me it was still surprising. Part of it was understandable in the grand scheme of, I guess, Trubisky's career. It still felt like a quick trigger. Like, it it, it did. And I remember going in that fourth quarter because if you remember right, Foles didn't play well in the third quarter. They didn't do much in the third quarter. And I, I, I think I even tweeted it. It's like, isn't Mitch the guy you actually kind of want here in the fourth quarter to come back? Because that's like when he plays usually plays well, yeah. plays well and, and you, you want that. Now, as it turned out, Foles did complete the comeback. So good for him. He, he made that happen, but... I wrote this in my column last night, you know, and we talked about it at the time. Foles' inability to move, to scramble, expose this is before the injuries on the offensive line. Before the injuries. Exposed a suspect offensive line. You and I both worried about that when the move was made. That Trubisky definitely has shortcomings. But one of the advantages with him is his scrambling ability and his athleticism and his ability to mask some of the pressure coming at him. And Foles is a guy that throughout his career, I don't know if they misevaluated Nick Foles. I think they misevaluated the situation around him and the expectation that he could, with his limitations, could adequately perform in this situation, which he just can't. I kind of feel bad about it with him because there's enough sample size in Nick Foles' career that you know what he is. And this was never a situation that he was going to look good at. Now, the conclusion of this kind of conversation that you and I both addressed last night and what we wrote is, I mean, you got to go back to Mitch at this point. It's not going to solve anything. I don't think they're going to go to the playoffs anyway. You still need a quarterback, but you still have six games left. And it's still the head coach's job to give you the best chance to win. And like it or not, Mitch Trubisky, with his scrambling ability, his mobility, he's the better option to play quarterback right now. It, it may not have been misevaluation of, of Nick Foles, but I'd argue it was an overestimation. Like they overestimated his value, what he could bring through his experience, through what he could bring to the line of scrimmage by recognizing defenses, to, to having that quick throw, quick process ability. And supposed knowledge of this awesome offense. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, it bothered me that like the, the week before the benching, <laughs> the there was a lot of praise for Trubisky. The the improvised touchdowns against the Giants, the which abs- are real, they happened. The absolute dime, Matt Nagy's own words, that he threw to Anthony Miller in the corner of the end zone against the Giants and, and was dropped. Then we get to the Atlanta game, and yeah, it's it's not going well for Mitch. But you're you're right. There seemed to be like th- it just we always felt it was inevitable. But once you made that move, I, I tweeted it that day. You're not going back, and you have to live with what Nick Foles can do. And for some time, it looked all right. That was a big win against the Buccaneers. But there were signs then, and there's a lot of signs now that Mitch Trubisky was not the problem. At least not what he was made out to be publicly or even by the Bears coaches internally. Not the problem that we all thought he was. It's widespread. And in fact, <laughs> you can make the argument that considering how bad they've looked, that Mitch actually made this offense work a little bit better, you know, just with what he's able to do with his athleticism. Well, you're right. I mean, you used the word scapegoat earlier. And I think it's... it's you can say that Mitch was a failure, you know, going back to the number two overall pick. Like the whole Mitch thing did not work out. 
but he was also the scapegoat. I think those can both be true at the same time because the point with you with you using the word scapegoat is just there wasn't the quarterback. The quarterback wasn't the thing holding back this offense. There's a lot more to it. Would it help if you had a guy that could lift the whole offense up? Absolutely. I mean, so I, and and again, I, I I just want to be very clear. Neither of us are saying that this vindicates Mitch Trubisky in any way. No. Or he's the solution. It's just that Nick Foles definitely wasn't. And as you evaluate this, I, I think you can... It's not hard to make an argument that things could be better off if Trubisky had never been benched. And oh, things would be, still be pretty bad. Let's be honest. They would be. But going forward with six games left, I don't know how you don't go back to Mitch. Adam, the, the offense scored six points. Six against a pretty bad Vikings defense. They scored three. I'm not counting, what would you call it, absolute trash garbage time earlier? <laughs> Whatever you call it. Stinky like, uh, stinky trash garbage time. Stinky trash garbage time against the Titans. They had three points. Titans game was fine. You know? They scored what? Three points against the Rams? Like, th- th- this is... All on national television. Th- this is uh, a pattern here. Like, th- like this isn't... Like, it's bad. It's in in, in a lot. Like, like so I, I track like what the quarterbacks do every week. You know, in my my takeaways column, and I, I I had this. I don't call it a revelation, but like every quarterback on that list will have like a bounce back game, right? There's no bounce in Nick Foles' game. Like even in Trubisky's career, like last year, how bad it was, how bad it got. He would bounce back and. Take it to the the Cowboys, you know. Against bad defenses, he would burn them. Nick Foles isn't burning bad defenses whatsoever. The numbers have stayed all very relatively consistent, and those are consistently bad numbers. Which we can specifically talk about some plays. You go back to the Giants game, okay? And I think it's a great point because Mitch made a – Two touchdown throws in that game. Really three, if you include the the one that Miller dropped, which were outstanding plays. Now, could Nick Foles have made the throw to Anthony Miller? Yes. That was a pocket throw, just thrown perfectly. Like, that's a throw Nick Foles can make. Not the throws he made last night. You know, he, he had those opportunities last night and didn't make them, though. That's sort of the point. And, and actually, two of them went to Miller. Okay? They were not dimes. But the other two plays, the scramble to where he dumped it off to Montgomery after keeping the play alive and drawing the defender in. I mean, that's a play he made with his legs. Now, can Foles make that play? Maybe, because he wasn't necessarily under a lot of pressure. Maybe on that one. But the throw to, and I'm talking about the Giants game now, back in week two, but the throw to Darnell Mooney, where Mitch ran around in circles in the backfield and eluded all these defenders and then threw the ball up and, and threw Mooney open. That's not a play Nick Foles can make. It's just not. so. And then when you look at last night, I think the thing that bothered me is there were two plays where you cannot, 100% cannot blame the protection. Nick Foles had a perfect pocket. One was the interception to Miller, which was high and behind him. And with a wide receiver running full speed across, you cannot expect Anthony Miller to make that catch. It's just wrong. It may have hit him in the hands. He's 5'11", running in the opposite direction of the football. And my question to you is, if Mitch Trubisky had made that same exact throw, and by you, I'm not talking to you, Johns. I'm talking really to our listeners who, especially the anti-Mitchers out there, okay? If Mitch Trubisky had made that same throw, would you have put it on Anthony Miller? Because all I'm asking you to do is to hold Nick Foles accountable the same way you held Mitch Trubisky accountable when you wanted him benched. And there's not enough of that going on right now. There's a lot of excuse-making for the quarterback that wasn't there when everybody was rushing to get rid of Mitch. And again, neither of them are the solution. This is just a throw that Nick Foles has to make, and the throw to Allen Robinson where he lobbed it up in the air, the ball was in the air forever, and Harrison Smith comes from behind. That was a huge third and seven. And, abs- and by the way, Mitch has had his problems 
uh, wasn't necessarily great on third down earlier this season. Third down has actually been a situation that in the past he had been pretty decent on. Again, Foles had plenty of time on that play and didn't make the play. That's on the quarterback. This, everything you just said, if we're gonna, st- if I'm going to stay consistent on, on evaluating messages that come from the team. like So I, I, I did not like how he got the quick hook in Atlanta after all the praise he got for the Giants game. I don't like how they started talking about how this is going to be a transition and growing process with Foles when he is supposed to be the answer to all that. Like, that's the reason they, they got him, right? And that transition, whatever they wanted to call it, just got progressively worse and worse and worse. You didn't see the quick decision-making. You didn't see the quick processing all the time. You saw interceptions and throws that Trubisky would be pounded for, committed by a veteran quarterback that you wanted. And you're right, the evaluations, the the messages changed, whether that was outside publicly, whether you hear it on the broadcast sometimes, or whether you heard it from the coach himself. Coaches, I should say. This is what they wanted. This is the guy they wanted. There seemed to be protection for Nick Foles, but at this point, the numbers don't lie. Adam, when you were talking about that, those plays that Trubisky made against the, the Giants. And again, look, we know Trubisky is not going to be the, the answer to this season, so it's, it's already spiraling out of control. But Nick Foles has attempted 311 passes this year, right? And I can't call recall one where you saw something like their Darnell Mooney play. Now, he had a wild completion to Cole Komet. I think some people might argue that was actually intended for Allen Robinson. But just in terms of that type of wild play, which you see consistently across the league. The only one I can think of is the the, the play where he told Anthony Miller to run yeah. to the A in Atlanta, and he put it right there when he right. was under pressure. Oh, gosh, that seems like it. Did it, that, that doesn't even seem like it happened this season. To, to, to see I don't know, that, yeah, but that's the that's the game he came in and apparently saved the Bears' offense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, look how far what we were told. Have changed. Yes, yes, and it's you know we were all I, I don't want to say duped, but like you saw Nick Foles, you heard Nick Foles. He's got that natural charisma, right? He he could. You saw guys draw how guys are drawing them when he's getting carted off. Trubisky was out there too. They're all surrounding him, but the play just does not. His actual play does not equal the praise that he's getting sometimes from his coaches. So I've been looking at this for a few weeks now, um, and I think this kind of sums it up pretty well. You know, that neither quarterback's great, the offense is a problem, but it's time to accept that things were better when Mitch was playing. Okay. You familiar with expected points added per play? EPA. So, look, again, Trubisky's number, not great. Uh, if you filter it at at least a minimum of 60 plays this season, Mitch Trubisky ranks 30th. 0.044 expected points added per play. Now, he's been relatively consistently over the last few weeks, Foles has been just under Trubisky, right? And at the end, uh, before last night, Foles was a couple spots behind Trubisky at 0.00 something. You know, again, neither's great, but Trubisky been better. Well, after last night's disaster, Foles is now down to negative 0.035. So per play, he's actually costing you points. Is basically what that's saying. <laughs> and uh, uh, for example, uh, Joe Flacco ranks higher than Nick Foles now, uh, as does Alex Smith, as does Daniel Jones, and then Trubisky's right ahead of Daniel Jones. Again, not good either way, but your eyes have been telling you the offense was better with Mitch. Some of the advanced numbers tell you it was better. Big picture wise, it's still a problem. You need a different solution, but it doesn't mean we can't sit in here and have a conversation questioning whether or not that move should have been made and uh, who the, who should be the guy going forward now. 
regardless of how hurt Nick Foles is, which we haven't really talked about, but like this, maybe he's not ready to go anyway in a couple weeks, and and Trubisky needs to play. But if they're to me, if they're both healthy, I think you got to go back to Mitch Trubisky. It's time. It's absolutely time. That's a good macro, you know, perspective. Even if you just want to look at the Vikings game in a micro sense, you know, like. I compared the uh, the seasonal opponent averages against the Vikings defense as opposed to what Nick Foles is doing. And I know the Vikings have this reputation of being this stellar defensive team, but they're just not this season. We've talked about this kind of at length because they're going through a soft rebuild, right, Adam? So yeah. seasonal average, completion percentage against the Vikings, 68%. Nick Foles, 57.7%. Seasonal average yards per game, 287.9. Nick Foles, this blows your mind, 106. In this modern NFL, are you kidding me? 106. Yards per attempt, seasonal average, heading into Monday night, eight yards per attempt. Nick Foles, 4.1. Passer rating, seasonal average, 105.1 allowed by the Vikings defense. Nick Foles. 51.1. 51.1. My God. My God. It goes to your point, Adam. <laughs> if you're going to hold Trubisky to this high accountability standard, the same must apply for your veteran quarterback with who you acquired from the Jaguars. It, it just, I don't, what, I, I, I know they're going to say, we look at the film, whatever, you know, like, we're all watching it, too. It's not good. He hasn't been the answer. I tweeted last week that the numbers showed that the Bears' 2017 offense with Dow Loggins was better than what the Bears were doing this year. That was before last night's game. So it's only worse now. I mean, that's... To me, that's... that That's... Yes. That's... I mean, that's incredibly concerning. I think if you're Matt Nagy. John's one more quick note on uh, Foles before we get to Allen Robinson. It, his contract is interesting um, because the incentives built in basically become per. So he gets paid the incentive, but then they get tacked onto his contract next year too. If that makes sense, yeah. Um, it's like an escalator in his twenty twenty one. And the reason I bring that up is because if there is any debate about playing Mitch or Foles at this point, it might be smart to not play Foles. You're going to be paying them more next season just by putting them out there on the field. Paying a guy you may not even want for next year. True. Uh, although that's, you know, that money's still guaranteed. Yeah. It's in there. Um, and look, if you're paying him... $4 million a year to be your backup, you can live with that uh, in the NFL. And I don't think Nick Foles is a bad backup quarterback to have. Clearly shouldn't be the starter, though, um, with this many holes around him on the offense. So just something to think about there as it goes forward. Um, because I think we're at the point in the season where off-season things need to be discussed like that. And all of a sudden... Uh, the more you play him, the more money gets allocated to the quarterback position, which you're going to have to address anyway. And another thing you're going to have to address is Allen Robinson, who apparently can only be targeted behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't get him a target downfield. I mean, it's well, it's, Nick Foles did, but remember he threw it high, and, and you know. Harrison Smith, right. you know, nearly took Allen Robinson's head off. <laughs> uh, well, there were some interesting tweets last night from Brandon Parker, who is Allen Robinson's agent. Like, throw 12 the damn ball in the red zone just once, my goodness. Yeah, this is where it started when the Bears had that just terrible sequence in the red zone uh, relatively early in the game. Uh, Nick Foles missed Darnell Mooney. They're trying to throw... I don't know what the hell they were doing, but he's got a point. I mean, throw it to your best wide receiver. He's tweeted, throw 12 the damn ball in the red zone just once. My goodness. And 
then he tweeted, should he not be the first read in the red zone 99% of the time? Only team in the league that won't throw to the wide receiver one in the red zone. Same guy who's leading the league in contested catches. What's really going on? For the record, I think Nick Foles is a good QB. 12's lack of red zone targets has been a head-scratcher to me for a while now. I think that's debatable if Nick Foles is a good QB right now. But, um, I, I think the point here is somebody's not happy about what his uh, his prime time, uh, like what, what's kind of happening with his, his, his you know, his client here uh, in the Bears' offense. Now, it's all a problem well, in the Bears' offense, but yeah. I mean, that last part, what's really going on, let's call that what it is. I mean, he's questioning. You know, he's trying to get his client paid. And he's wondering why he's not getting targets. Um, I think a lot of people are wondering why that contract hasn't been done already. And obviously they disagree on the value of Allen Robinson. Uh, There were some retweets too. One uh, from Pro Football Focus. The world needs more Allen Robinson targets. And uh, there's a video of the one... Here's the thing, because he did Foles hit him in the late first quarter on a great throw to the left sideline, where Robinson did, ran a phenomenal route and had great footwork to get to keep his feet inbounds. That like that's what everyone's talking about. More of that. And uh, then Brad Spielberger from PFF. This is all retweeted by Allen Robinson's agent as we look at his Twitter account right now. Allen Robinson has three catches on his three catchable targets in the red zone this season. 100% on catchable targets, yet only has seven total red zone targets. One big reason the Bears don't have an offensive touchdown tonight. Have to find your dominant wide receiver one in the red zone. And there's just absolutely no question about that. And I don't mean to bring everything to the Packers, but what does Aaron Rodgers do when he gets to the red zone? He throws it to Devontae Adams. Okay? Like most teams do. What does Kyler Murray do when he needs a he Hail finds Mary? Deon- DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> Somewhere out there, just throw it up. Um, it's they, They've overcomplicated things to a point of like almost exhaustion, right? Like it's like it's the him route conversation again, right? Like just find single coverage and you'll get it sometimes, more often than not down there. Throw it up to your guys. Your Jimmy Grahams, your Cole Komets, your Allen Robinsons. It's, I think since we're, we're, we're staying on the big picture here, it doesn't sound good for negotiations. Not that no. they're talking right now. It doesn't sound good for negotiations after this season. Sure, the Bears have the franchise tag to, to use at their disposal, but we've, we've seen that get pulled. Like it's, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. <sighs> I mean, I, I don't know how unless unless Allen Robinson's asking for just a ridiculous amount of money. I, I mean, I don't know how you your conclusion can't be that the Bears have royally screwed this situation up. If I'm Allen Robinson and I think his agent is going totally down this path, I'm not re-signing here for any amount of money unless I know what the quarterback situation is going to be. I know what the play calling situation is going going to be, what the offensive philosophy is going to be. I mean, this is very layered for him. This is a guy who produces with bad quarterbacks, has produced with bad quarterbacks, and will probably continue to produce with bad quarterbacks, but probably wants a chance to win and could find a team out there with that type of money still still available. So... I mean, I just, I, I don't, when you see tweets like that and you see the way the season has played out, Allen Robinson is clearly not happy. And yet, for the, like, it, for, for the most part, he's still been a great teammate. Actually, he has been, like, not even for the most part. He absolutely has been. Of, of all the, for a wide receiver in the NFL, the only thing he's done that brought any type of criticism was that he deleted all the bear stuff off of social media. You know what I mean? Like, how many wide receivers around the league uh, get so upset that they, they become a distraction? And that is not what Allen Robinson 
has become at all. Like he has handled this admirably. Was it um, Bear sideline reporter Mark Grody who tweeted after the game or during the game? He threw his helmet. Did he threw his helmet? Al Robinson threw his helmet violently. Um, Good for him, man. He deserves to throw his helmet. Yeah, because this is done it earlier. This is ridiculous, and and the problem is, I don't see how this doesn't go towards either Allen Robinson playing for a different team next season, or a bitter franchise tag, potential trade request, potential holdout situation. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how does it not? Yeah. At this point, which. None of us, and when I say none of us, I think that includes Ryan Pace and Allen Robinson, thought that this is where this would go. When we start talking about contract extensions going back to the Super Bowl last year. Well, I think it all goes back to the quarterback conversation. Things have changed since since Nick Foles has taken over. The, the evaluation of everything changes because of that position. All goes back to that day in Atlanta. Got a question for you. Since we're focusing on Allen Robinson, relative unhappiness of the team and players throwing helmets on the sideline. Can I just bring up, sorry, hold your question yeah. just for one second. Because I, I just want to bring up a potential disaster to me. If, just in how it looks. But if Allen Robinson does end up on a different team or he's holding out and you know you're going to have to pay him the franchise tag number, which is expensive. How bad is Robert Quinn's $14.7 million cap hit that you're going to have to have next year? How much is that going to hurt? I got this point in my five takeaways column uh, coming up. It's going to be delayed because there's other column I'm working on, but you see what uh, Leonard Floyd did for the Rams this week? I saw it. Um, You see the type of play that Nick Kukowski just made for the Raiders this week? It's... um, the Bears' defense is great. It really is. And the potential, I think the conversation there is when you're evaluating their offseason moves, like could you have kept Robert Quinn be, or could you have kept Leonard Floyd to be a tad bit better? Would Nick Kwiatkowski make you a tad bit better than ha- having Danny Trevathan? And that's similar money. Just But like just seeing them play that way for other teams raises serious questions about the coaching staff's decision-making and Ryan Pace's part in putting their plan into action. Well, if we go back to March, we I remember talking about this at the time. This is not second-guessing. This is, this is first-guessing. This is stuff I was surprised with when the Bears went on their spending spree. The one thing we had learned about Ryan Pace in his first five years, was it was pretty obvious he did not like to pay guys either approaching 30, at 30, or over 30. And all of a sudden, they pay Robert Quinn, who's 30, a lot of money. He's been in the league for 10 years. They go out and trade for Nick Foles, over 30. They re-sign Danny Trevathan, which was the one move that I... I'm, I'm... I want to make sure because I'm not second-guessing. I defended that. I thought it was right to pay Danny Trevathan and let Nick Kukowski go. That's certainly debatable at this point. Although Trevathan has been better in recent weeks. But that was still a risk because you knew the guy was 30. And then you gave Jimmy Graham the contract you gave him. Again, over 30. And it was just such a sudden shift to me. And if you look at those positions, especially Nick Foles, why'd you have to make that move? You blew a first-round draft pick. Jimmy Graham, why'd you have to make that move? Well, you blew a second-round draft pick. And you also blew a couple free agent signings at that position. And Robert Quinn, why'd you have to make that move? Because you blew a first-round draft pick. You know what? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think they blew it. I think they listened to the coaches. Like, if, if Sorry to interject, but if Brandon Staley and Vic Fangio are still here, I strongly believe that Leonard Floyd is still here. Well, I agree, and I think that's sort of a side part of the question. I mean, 
and and that's why I don't I don't think making the conclusion that the Bears should have held on to Leonard Floyd is the right conclusion. You know, he there's a reason he went to LA. There's a reason he signed with the Rams to reunite with Brandon Staley. Okay. And I think there's a lot to be said for the coaching there and why Leonard Floyd's doing what he's doing right now. I do not think he would have seven sacks with this Bears team right now. I really don't. Okay, so that needs to be pointed out. But if you need to have a specific coach to have a first-round pick be successful, you didn't make the right pick. All right, that guy should transcend coaching. He's the number nine overall pick in the draft. And And I guess I just get back to my original point. Those signings that you had to make with guys over 30 were covering up for past mistakes. That's what they were. This is calling it what it is. And now, I mean, at least the Foles contract isn't horrendous. The Robert Quinn contract could potentially be horrendous in 2021. At least there's an out after that. Jimmy Graham, the contract, I, I, I thought too much focus went on that one because that's that was really you can get out of that after this season. That's not that big of a deal. To me, it's more about the philosophy, Johns, and I think a little bit of desperation. All of a sudden, so many mistakes had added up that you had to start paying guys over thirty. When I thought you made it pretty clear you didn't like doing that. To me, that was a big red flag. That was a big warning sign that uh, things were starting to maybe go down the wrong direction. You tried to buy your way out of trouble. Is what you're saying. You went all in on a team thinking that Nick Foles could be your answer. You tried to buy your way out of trouble, and it's not working. In fact, you may have made your team worse. You had a question for me before I went on that tangent. Yes, yes. So with Allen Robinson throwing his helmet on the sidelines and Nick Foles hurt and Trubisky hurt, Tyler Bray in, all sorts of different pieces on the offensive line, I I found – Eddie Jackson's comment last night, notable. And I wanted to get your, your thought on it. Let me let me pull it up and I'll, and I'll read it to you. This is, so Eddie Jackson um, essentially broke down the team in the locker room last night. Um, Matt Nagy didn't want to say who it was, but Eddie Jackson said it was him. And his message was, and I quote, just accountability. Speaking it to each other, being that voice on both sides of the ball we got a lot of guys on both sides of the ball that can speak up, that have a powerful voice, but I, f- I feel like kind of afraid to use it. You can't be afraid to use your voice. If you're a leader on this team, guys look up to you. you got to use it. Regardless what coach thinks or whatever, whoever thinks, you got to use your voice. you got to hold each other accountable. Like I said, you see guys coming off the field with their head down. No one says something. No one says something to him. That has to change if you see if you see somebody holding his head down. We're a team. It's not going to be perfect. You see these four weeks. It's not going to be perfect. So if you see a guy with his head down, lift your head up. Come on, next play. Have that mindset, that next play mentality, that no matter how bad it gets, we're going to continue to fight, and that's what we need to fix right now. I thought it was... My interpretation was that is, it's not shots fired, but that's a critique of the leaders on offense. That could be Allen Robinson, who's kind of a mild-mannered guy. That could be Cody Whitehair, who's kind of a mild-mannered guy. Heck, that could be Nick Foles, who's kind of a mild-mannered guy. Uh, I agree What did you think of it? I think that was a defensive player as delicately as possible. And as professionally as possible, calling out the offense. Because, look, this is something we are experts at covering this team. A defense carrying the full load for a crappy offense. I mean, we could go back to the Brian Urlacher years, many, many years, where the storyline midseason was at what point do you get frustrated with the offense not scoring points? And the answer is, of course they're frustrated. I've been frustrated for a long time. Frustrated all last season. Probably even frustrated in 2018 at times. Even though they were winning a lot of games. Of course they're frustrated. 
but they're trying to be professionals and not publicly call out their teammates in the media. But I'll tell you what, at a certain point, it needs to be done. You know, you got to shake things up. And so my interpretation is very similar to what you said, Johns, and that it sounds like without specifically saying, hey, you offense, get it together, Eddie Jackson managed to deliver, to deliver that message in more of an all-encompassing team way where he was making it pretty clear who he was talking to. And then he echoed that in his comments to the media. I also thought it was interesting. At one point he mentioned, hey, sometimes the coaches aren't going to make the best play calls. It's up to you to suck it up and do your job anyway. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. He, he was extremely diplomatic. With what he was saying. And to your point in covering this team, I kept thinking about the the fire of some of the past offenses, right? Like Jay Cutler had it. Love him or hate him. He yeah, would like, yell at guys. Like tell Martz, tell Martz I Love said him hate F you. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Brandon Marshall, love him or hate him. He'd fire you up. Or tell us Bennett the same. At least they knew what they wanted to be and wanted to do. Olin Krutz. The whole Lovey Smith era, for as bad as they were offensively, brought it for that offense and kept guys accountable, and they got something out of that offense. See, Kroots is the best example, though, because Kroots managed to do that without being a distraction. Like, that's the problem when you bring up Marshall yeah. or you bring up, and I like Martellus Bennett, but sometimes even with Martellus, it became a distraction. Telling your offense coordinator in the middle of the game, F you, probably not the best way to go about things. Okay. So Olin Cruz. You would go you would opt for a different tactic. Olin Cruz is exactly what Eddie Jackson's talking about. A guy who knew how to hold his teammates accountable and get the message across. Be a good leader. And if he ever crossed the line, he did it behind the scenes, you know, in the locker room. But Never publicly to the point where it became a distraction. And I think that right now is is what this, this offense is clearly, clearly lacking. What's the uh, the words that Nagy will use, like juice and energy and swagger? I just doesn't think, exist. You know what? There's a just because you have a group of good guys who players like and respect, it doesn't necessarily mean they're good leaders. There's a difference. Or good players. <laughs> yeah, or good players. I mean, it's a, there's, there's a difference there. There's, uh, did you hear the stuff before the game? Uh, try not to bring up Booger McFarland too much because... Sometimes he's hard to listen to. But, I mean, he basically said that he's talked to defensive coordinators said the Bears are soft on offense. Which goes back to something we played in the offseason when Kyle Long said his brother Chris, that was the diagnosis. Remember that? Yeah. It still exists. And that was in 2018 when they won 12 games. And to go back to those comments, Kyle Long said that after they lost to Chris Long and the Eagles in 2018 in the playoffs, you know, he talked to his brother about, do you think that they could have gone on and win the Super Bowl if they had won that game? And Chris said, no, guys weren't physical enough up front. And that was a pretty damning comment. I know it's a cliche when teams start talking about establishing an identity, right? But there's some serious truth to it, right? Like the Bears don't know what they're good at, don't know what they want to be. And this has been a recurring storyline. Like when, when identity is a recurring storyline for nearly three full seasons, that's a problem. Like you look at other teams across the league, they know what they want to be. We've covered teams with the Bears, they knew what they wanted to be. We can mock Lovey Smith for all we want for saying he wants to get off the bus running, but they knew what they wanted to be. These Bears, three years into this Matt Nagy era, 
still have no clue what they want to be. Yeah. Well, man. Got anything else? <laughs> no. This is starting to nope. get exhausting. I'm glad it's the bye week. I'll say that. We'll be back on Wednesday. Oh. Um, I'll end with this from Robert Mays, a guy from The Athletic, who you should read and listen to, the football show. Uh, he tweeted 17 minutes ago while we were recording this that the Bears are in serious trouble, maybe most trouble of any team in the league. And someone responded, the Jets would like a word. To which Robert had this great tweet, this great response. The Jets might have the number one pick in the special QB draft, a.k.a. Trevor Lawrence. Two extra firsts that they traded for a box safety, Jamal Adams. A potentially elite 21-year-old left tackle. And an ocean of cap space. The Bears would love to be the Jets right now. He's not wrong. Also probably changing their head coach out. And I guess it remains to be seen how good of a GM Joe Douglas is. Joe was on Ryan Pace's staff in Chicago. He was for one year. But Joe Douglas has set himself up now for... All of the above, like you just said. That's but what a way to end the podcast, I think. With that little note about as big of a disaster as the Jets are. Which franchise would you rather be right now? <laughs> I'd rather be the one that gets gets Trevor Lawrence. I'll say that. Yeah. Right yeah. now. And man, if the Bears had not come back against the Lions, not come back against the Falcons. Maybe they'd have an outside chance at Trevor Lawrence at this point. Not happening at this point. All right. Well, this was a depressing hour. But uh, an- wait till tomorrow's podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back. We'll hear what Matt Nagy has to say. We'll see if there's any injury updates. Uh, we're also supposed to hear from assistant coaches, and we'll have all that for you tomorrow. Uh, and also have Kevin Fishbane on the podcast to kind of wrap things up before we go into a bye week and uh, that'll wrap it up for the week after that but we will have another podcast before we go into a brief hibernation which I think we all need isn't that what bears do yeah well I'm going to one hey one thing I love from last night's game Brent Urban's bear celebration it made me laugh oh like he crawled like a bear or something like that well he just put his his uh, his fingers up like a he celebrated like an actual bear Uh, And, and by the way he's been pretty good we end, on that, was good. we end on that positive note. Brent Urban, build your team around him. Pretty good. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Please read us, NBCSportsChicago.com, theathletic.com, slash Hogan Johns. Plenty of good coverage up there all around for you to digest this stuff. And it will continue during the bye week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Please rate and review the podcast. Thanks to our producer, Kent Garrison. Thanks to Ernie for his awesome open. As always, we'll talk to you tomorrow before we head into the box. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.